Sure. I'm Pastor Matt Cable at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. I'm Zach Paris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder. And every week we read the ancient scriptures and make a playlist of songs that you can listen to to soundtrack that scripture. On your way to and from worship this week, you can listen to it. You can listen to it. On your way to and from worship, you know. I mean, worship. Worship can take uh, can take many forms. I know you guys are doing like like a hang sesh. Hang sesh. I don't know. Maybe that's not worship. Is that is that your what does your worship look like during the summer? Yeah, we schedule a two hour block of hang sesh out by the grill. We got a lovely little grill area out by the old Episcopal Church, and uh, mm-hmm. we cook food. We hang out, and then we pause in the middle for worship. We're using a liturgy. Uh, we're using a liturgy. We're in an ecumenical context, you know, uh, so we're actually using a liturgy, starting with a liturgy for evening uh, Eucharist out of the Book of Common Prayer, the Episcopal Book of uh, Liturgy Worship stuff. Cool. That sounds awesome. Uh, pretty pretty great summer worship. We just had worship uh, with 600 high school students on mm. Sunday. Sounds actually, smelly. I know. I know. Uh, it was really good, though. It's good. They lined up some good preachers. Um, Pastor Yehel Curry preached on Wednesday night. And nice. he, he knocked it out of the park. And mm. he even had a baseball. I mean, I don't know how you have a baseball metaphor with current high school students and make it work, but... <laughs> He did. They were with him all the hmm. way. It was incredible. Just an on-fire preacher. And then... Uh, I tried to use a lacrosse up. metaphor last week. It just didn't work. It didn't work. It just, just didn't work. I'm going to have to go back to field hockey. <laughs> Good preaching, though. Oh, my gosh. Like, they were into it. The high school students were into it. And then uh, and then our friend uh, Jonathan Hempel preached on mm. Sunday. And he preached some fire. It was good. Oof. He was on fire. Well done. Jonathan, I texted him a whole bunch of fire emojis uh, after <laughs> sermon was done because he deserved it. So summer worship, man, takes many forms. We were uh, recording it at the Western States Youth Gathering up at California Lutheran University. And uh, I talked to Desta, uh, our friend at Cal Lutheran up there afterwards. I was like, we got to get campus ministry to this thing because they got the camps there representing. And, uh, oh, we did have a little bit of campus ministry because do you know who was there? Nazia. Oh, that's right. Ness was there. I know. Representing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was actually there with the high school students from another level Lutheran church. Uh, but I have like three of my five high school students graduated high school this year. Uh, and so I said, hey, Naziah, can you talk to them and tell them what's happening in Chicago? Because that could be the next thing they yeah. do, right? Like, yeah. they're, not going to another, they're not going to another youth get, high school youth gathering. Mm-hmm. What do they do next? Do they have no, or do they have nothing to offer them? Oh, no, we do. Lutheran Student Movement, Chicago, December 30th, January 2nd. Am I right? You are correct. Yes. So he was recruiting. He was Excellent. Recruiting. That's what he's supposed to be doing. They did such a great job. So we met, uh, the National Council of LSM met, uh, kind of overlapping the first days of the Lumen Conference uh, when we were in Austin. And so um, I kind of trained them up a bit, right? Like, hey, you got one chance today. 
when these campus pastors show up, they're your best chance for getting students to this event, right? And so, like, I coached them up a little bit, and then they were they were incredible. They were really fun to watch because they were like hard selling people. Uh, they had all the line the beats down. It was it was really impressive. So I'm glad uh, I'm glad the work's continuing to to go on. Yeah, and we had a we should talk more about that. We're gonna you're, y'all are getting a little uh, Lutheran student movement commercial in your vinyl preacher this week, but uh, I don't care. I think it's good. We're gonna spike the punch with some uh, Lutheran student movement because my student. I mean, here's the thing about my students, right? So all three of them are graduating from high school. I got uh, I got one student already in college. They all go to different universities. Um, the only one, so I got I got Cal State Northridge represented. I got Mills College. I got um, a girl that wanted to go to PLU, but uh, is actually going to go to West LA Community College. And then I got one going to Cal Lutheran. How many of those schools have a Lutheran campus ministry on campus? Right. So Lutheran Student Movement is going to be the thing that's mm-hmm. going to be able to draw them together, right? right? It's going to be part of what I'm envisioning what campus ministry might look like in my context. And uh, Lutheran Student Movement could be critical to it. It could be. You know what? The next step, I mean, national national things are good. They're great. They're fun. Uh, but a regional LSM gathering of some sort in the L.A. area, because we got students up at Slow San Diego. You got a lot of folks. You could make something. You guys, more than once a year, right? Um, the movement can come together. Can you make that a part of the the national gathering to have like a little breakout time where they work on that a little bit? We have breakout time for just that that reason. Uh, Region two is a little harder because we're massive. So we do regional retreats here in Colorado, but Mm -hmm. uh, a little hard to pull a weekend retreat off for the whole entire uh, West Coast. Um, Uh, Hey, Western States Youth Gathering did it. Mm hmm. That's true. Holy crap. That was a lot of logistics. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And money. My kids kept being like, how much do you think this costs? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Most people don't leave the LSM gathering wondering that. So anyway, lots going on this summer. And, uh, you know, here on the Vinyl Preacher, we also have some pretty awesome things going on because we are doing a summer of Genesis. What? Mm. Making our way through the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And to soundtrack that, one of the greatest bands that with is, the name Genesis is the band Genesis. I mean, I think it's the greatest Torah-inspired named band of all time. The Deuteronomists, uh, I mean, they're, they're good. They're a little niche. They're a little niche. It sounds like a Decemberist party. That would be a, the Deuteronomists. Deuteronomist. <laughs> I really want, like... This is an SNL sketch waiting to happen. Can we do uh, the Deuteronomists? We are so good at this like particular niche that an audience of at least 15 people love the ideas we come up with. For example, uh, I think there's an EDM band uh, out there called the Levitical Code, right? <laughs> well, I definitely, in my uh, my workshop this week, I basically said that Drake wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, if you look at the cover of his album, take care. He's totally wealthy. He's got everything he needs. And yet still feels this emptiness just like the author and i would tell the kid i told the students i was like did you know there's a book of the bible with exactly this feeling and they were like what no way <laughs> and i was like it's, it's called ecclesiastes and we like read out of it Oof. telling you you can how, do it how was the workshop you led a, a, a tvp-ish sort of workshop at the western mm-hmm. states you've got it it was um somewhat disastrous <laughs> uh fun fact uh they listen to all kinds of music high school students Jerks. So not everybody. My students were super into my Beyonce analysis. 
but I uh, had to make some adjustments on the fly. Hmm. I, I learned uh, lots of things, it was, but it was fun. What did you learn? Uh, <laughs> that, uh, well, it's really hard. I think it's best to keep it. I really want to do everything, right? Like I want mm. to cover a bunch of different genres, a bunch of different books of the Bible. That's really hard to do in like 45 minutes. So I think it would have been better to pick like, to do like one, right? That's Just good preaching pick, advice, like, man. Good preaching right? advice. To do one thing and do it well. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going to keep thinking about it. I'm going to keep chewing on it. Sweet. Matt. Yes. Have you, uh, do you subscribe to Tidal? The title music service. Yeah, I need to cancel it because I don't use it. Well, I don't subscribe to it at all. But I was wondering if you got to hear the new uh, Jay Z album. No, but I did get to hear one of my high school students talk all about it. I haven't heard it yet. I'm gonna have to listen to it. Hearing the vinyl preacher. Don't Sweet. worry. Don't worry. I did just see in part of my research for the episode. Uh, I ended up on a YouTube video of Jason Isbell uh, recording a commercial on the Colbert Late Show. Uh, for what he called the saddest song ever because he felt like he had written lots of sad songs but he had not yet written the saddest song ever and uh, it's funny it's like two minutes it's infomercially uh, but at the end he's like it's uh, 180 minutes uh, and you can buy it now on uh, it comes in either three cassette tapes or on Tidal uh, the two most useless uh, forms of music media today is it time? I think it's time. I think it's time. Uh, it's 444. 444. I'm... Is that for the text? That's what... Four, four. We don't it's have spoilers time. for when we review the DJZ album, but 444 is time for the text. It is time. 444, the text. All right, y'all. Uh, we are making our way through Genesis. We are now in chapter 25. Chapter 25. What have we heard so far? Okay, we started with creation on Trinity Sunday. Then we jumped ahead to hear the promise of Abraham. Right? They were made coming. I think it was like the second promise. But anyway, it's the promise. Mm-hmm. These three strangers come and give Abraham and Sarah this unbelievable promise. Um, we continue from there to, oh, yeah. They, then they kick out Hagar and Ishmael. They have some adventures in the wilderness. They get to experience God's promise in their own way. And then uh, Abraham tries to sacrifice Isaac. God provides a ram. So Isaac's like, man, my dad tried to kill me. That sucked. I think I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go on Tinder and uh, let some steam. So he goes to the well. No, he doesn't go to the well. He sends a servant. His dad sends a servant to the well. I don't know. This is a weird family system they've got going. His dad sends a servant to the well. But uh, where he finds Rachel, who's like Wonder Woman, uh, super strong, feeds a million camels. And she decides, oh, yeah, I'll go marry this guy I never met. Fell off her camel when she sees him, and they get married, Isaac and Rebecca. And now they start their little family in today's chapter, today's little story from Genesis. The wonders of childbirth. The wonders of childbirth. This this is about the wonders of childbirth. Oh, my goodness. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Bring it. Oh, my gosh. So Isaac, so the story begins, and Rebecca is barren. Pretty common story in the scriptures. Right? Sounds like some genetic issues here in the, in the Abrahamic family. You know, it's, man. 
happens again and again. So Isaac prays to the Lord and it says the Lord granted his prayer and his wife, Rebecca, conceived. So you're talking about the wonders of childbirth. Usually when we talk about the birds and the bees, hey, where do babies come from? That is not typically the story that we tell, right? That's right. I mean, there's a different scientific story, which is true, right? It's got its own level of truth. And yet the story told here is that she's barren. So Isaac prays to the Lord. The Lord grants his prayer and his wife, Rebecca, can see these are children of grace. These are children of the promise, right? They're trying to tell us this is not happening in the normal or in, I don't know, in an organized, this is not happening because um, Isaac wished it to be true. It's happening because God gifts it to be true. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Any thoughts on the wonders of childbirth here? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it is this, this repeating thing that, that uh, the promise is in, in jeopardy, uh, mm-hmm. continues to be in jeopardy. Um, not only do you have the rather miraculous, unlikely story of Tinder working out, uh, of BedouinsOnly.com working out, um, but then they get together and all right, whew, the the descendants are the promise of descendants is secure, uh, except they're not yet, um, and that the the difficulties in childbearing, uh, which on one hand is is literally children but on the other hand i think you can read uh childbearing as as promise bearing uh it is difficult for us humans to bear the promise of god and yet the story says uh even in this most tenuous of circumstances uh it endures uh because it turns out here right rebecca uh is having twins uh, i know so I think this is great. I mean, like, I'm really, man, I know I'm going to really wrestle with this. So, um, I mean, uh, fun fact, how the wonders of childbirth, the wonders of childbirth. So uh, Chris and I, maybe, I don't know, let's say a year and a half ago, mm. we wanted to have kids, but it wasn't really working out. So what do we do? I prayed to the Lord and the Lord granted my prayer. Actually, I went to the doctor and the doctor I uh, did a whole bunch of stuff that we're not going to go into detail on, on the pod. But that's how the, I would have told that story, right? Yeah. I would have been like, hey, we we're trying to figure out how to keep this uh, promise going. So we went to the doctor. The doctor did some scientific stuff. No more monkeys and, jumping on the bed. That's It has to right? be said. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, like, how do you tell this story? And the way mm. that this the way that the, this is how this story gets told. Um, and then out of our experience, uh, hey, twins, What? I don't know. I don't know what to do with the twins thing, but uh, it's super easy to have twins, twins, right? Super easy to have twins, man. So with the wonders twi- of, of Western twins. medicine, really easy to have twins, right? Just like oh my gosh, smooth sailing. <laughs> or is that not the case? I'm not. Not I've never had twins. Oh, not the case. Not the case. Oh my gosh! It says the children struggled together within her. It's almost like we're hearing a here. I'm hearing the the refrain of of enough and more than enough, right? The promise was in jeopardy, uh, and not only do you get one kid when the promise is fulfilled, you get two kids, and they struggle within her, and that's like too much. How much more risky is a is a, a pregnancy with twins in the in the ancient Near East in the 10,000 BC or 1,000 BC, right? Oh my gosh, I know. Cause that's what they told us, you know, because um, we were like, oh, twins, wow. Uh, two for the price of one. That's uh, pretty exciting and terrifying. And they said, yeah, um, but there are more. They're like, yeah, it's cool. But there are a lot more complications with twins, right? There are a lot more complications with twins. Any of those, our twins were born, oftentimes twins uh, come early. 
Ours came about five weeks early, and uh, and they're doing okay, but still more complications. I cannot imagine. And that's with modern medicine, right? They're mm-hmm. like in, uh, these little incubators. I cannot imagine that um, in the ancient area. So this, we're talking about the promise in a precarious position. Uh, twins are also a piece of that. It's too big. The promise is too much. Too much. It's too big. So she goes and she prays to the Lord. A lot of conversation between Isaac and Rebecca and the Lord. And the Lord actually answers her. And he says, two nations are in your womb. Mm. Two people born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall serve the younger. How'd you like to get that news? I mean, as a first child, I would, I'd, I'd disagree. <laughs> you know, clearly something's, that's not how it works. Oh my gosh. Well, I just want to point out, so I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit. You've got you've got twins. You've got two brothers. I can tell you right now, it says when the boys grew up, I'm fast forwarding, I'm going to come back around because there's mm-hmm. some other important stuff. But it says Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man living in tents. They're two, they have two different personalities. And I can tell you this about twins, very, very much personal experience mm. of, uh, for, for myself. Two different personalities right two very these are not carbon copies they're not clones of one another just because they're twins right very different personalities our girls are uh, almost eight months and they are wildly different hmm. people <laughs> and it's true here too right we have these two very different personalities you have the exact same personality as your sibling that's correct, correct. yep uh, <laughs> my brother he hunts in fields and i live quietly in villages uh, I mean, I think one of the things that's happening here, uh, yeah. certainly what's happening here when, when, when God says that the, the younger uh, or the elder shall serve the younger is, uh, of course, God is flipping our systems, systems of human creations on their heads, especially this is our power systems, right? It was a big deal birth order to be the eldest son, to have the birthright mattered a lot, right? And we saw that already this summer with uh, how important it was to Abraham or to Sarah to cast Ishmael out of out into the desert uh, so that Isaac could clearly be the eldest but that's absurd in this story uh, it's absurd because God commands the opposite of it but also they're twins right um, we're talking about being eldest by a couple minutes maybe mm-hmm. right that's just it's stupid right like it doesn't yeah um, and and a part of what's happening here is I think the our power structure being revealed for the the senseless, the the nonsensical way that ways we've come up with that we've said are, are critically important that 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 we will fight and die for, right? Which is what we begin to start to see with Jacob and Esau. I think it's crazy. So they've got two different. They've got two kids. They got two very different personalities. But you know, as a parent, um, you don't want to pay. You don't play favorites with your kids, right? We don't play favorites. They're two different personalities, they're, but they're equal. We're gonna treat them the same. Except that doesn't happen. Mm. Isaac. Isaac loves Esau. Rebecca loves Jacob. They're totally playing favorites. And then even God plays favorites, choosing Mm -hmm. one, right? Choosing one to supplant the other. And I don't know if it's me being the firstborn or if uh, if it's just sympathizing with Esau here, but like, right? Doesn't it seem a little bit unfair? Mm -hmm. I think once again, and I I think we can like dive into a little bit further, but I just want to notice that like my first reaction reading this is to be like a little bit sympathetic to Esau, like, what the hell? Like, what did he do? Right. And I think once again, like we see this, we see this thing where like, if you're coming to these stories for like these simple little ethical lessons, you are not going to find that. Not going to get it. <laughs> right. It's not, if you're looking for like 
how do I behave in order to get what I want? That's not the moral of this story. I think that's what a lot of I think <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what a lot of us yeah. are looking for, right? Like, how do I get from point A to point B? What do I have to do? These stories are not necessarily going to tell you that. No. They might eventually come around to what a journey looks like uh, from one place to another, but it's not going to be this like, how do I? What do I have to ethically do to get from point A to point B? That's not what the stories are about. And that can be really frustrating. <laughs> right. Uh, just to hit that to our listeners, a little cross-promotional stuff, I've got an article coming out next month in uh, Parenting Magazine on why you should favor one child over the other. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be really popular. So. But yeah, I think, it, I, think it comes, I think it comes back around, like you said, to God disrupting our systems, right? The way that we would have set up this system is that it's the firstborn, that this is how this is going to work. And yet God comes in and God flips that on its head. So that the story becomes not about how our systems work, how to navigate our systems, but it becomes about the power of God and what God is able to do. Yeah, and I don't think it's an answer either, right? It's not like, here's the way it should be, <laughs> right? I don't think that, that God's in, in involvement in the story, that the point of it is to, to, from now on, the second-born child will be the favored child and we'll get everything. Mm. Because then you're going to have a story of, of God favoring the, it's not that God favors the younger over the elder, right? But that God favors or looks with particular favor on the disempowered, the oppressed. Yeah, I think that, yeah, no, you're right. The point is not to create a new law, but to say something about the characteristics of God. That can be really, it's something to wrestle with. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Literally, we're going to get to that. We're not there yet. Oh, we're going to get there, We're going to get wait. there. Aren't you excited? We're in the story of Jacob. I love Jacob. Yeah, cool. And already, already Jacob is like a shady character. <laughs> already. Like, he's coming out the womb and he's a shady character. He's already gripping Esau's heel. Yeah, right? And that he's a quiet person living in tents. Sounds... Uh... <laughs> Tell us think... about... Why is that... What's, what's up with that? What's wrong with that? Uh, it's not an incredibly uh, stereotypically masculine, masculine thing to do. I mean, hunters in general, right? Much uh, braver, more admirable. Um, mm-hmm. So what is it? I mean, I think it just raises those questions about Jacob. What is it about him that he's not uh, doing what his older brother is doing? Yeah, that'd be an interesting angle on this too, right? If you look at um, visions of masculinity, what is, mm-hmm. what is masculinity supposed to look like? If we're talking about patriarchy, we're talking about how the world is supposed to work. God disrupts that. God doesn't choose the stereotypically uh, masculine male. He chooses the guy that's hanging on the tents. And, and we continue. We continue this sort of vision of, of whether it's masculinity or, or what the right kind of power is. Because mm, um, yeah. you have these two contrasting visions of, of power, and one of them we favor much more than the other, right? Where uh, it's clear that Esau is, is a little more brute strength, uh, that he's the hunter, he's out there. Um, and that seems to us... Honorable, I think, uh, kind of an Olympic ver- vision of um, of power. But what we're going to see from Jacob is that his power is in this, like his cleverness, which is at times certainly conniving-ish, and that somehow it's that's the one God favors in this pair, mm-hmm. right? That God looks most favorably on this conniver, which is the thing that that most of the time we think to be. Cowardly, perhaps. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, yeah. It's not a. There are rare. There are instances, certainly, when that's the case. But um, most of the time, the kind of conniving characters in our shows and movies and books, they are not the the hero. They're not the protagonist. 
so I think it's I think it's kind of interesting where um, I'm gonna push I'm gonna push uh, I'm gonna push this a little bit. It's gonna be a bit of a stretch, but I'm gonna dive in anyway and see if it leads anywhere. You're gonna throw down a butt. Is that what you're saying? So we'll throw down a butt right here. I'm actually gonna swing for the fences, then I'm probably gonna whiff, but I'm gonna go after it anyway. So the way the first this. Um, <laughs> so Jacob, shady character. Our first two examples of him being shady are uh, at his birth and then at this meal, which are two sacramental images, right? You look at the birth, right? And then you look at the meal. And these are the two first instances of Jacob's shadiness. So we talked a little bit about at his birth, he's gripping Esau's heel on his way out. They're wrestling together in the womb. He's already trying to supplant him. And then at the meal, uh, Jacob, by the way, he's hanging on the fence. If you want to know what he's doing there, he's cooking, um, cooking a stew. He's a really good cook. Esau hunts the food. Jacob cooks it. Esau comes in the field. He's really angry. He says, Jacob, ah, I really need some food. And Jacob's like, all right, um, just give me your birthright. <laughs> fair, fair price. And he says, I'm starving. Like, literally, I'm about to die. What use is a birthright to me? And Jacob says, there you go, swear to me. So he swears. Jacob gives him some bread and stew. He ate and drank, and he rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. I want to know, man, I... Somebody could do something. Somebody could do something with that as a commute, as a, um, hmm. as a communion sacramental image. I think mm-hmm. somebody could do something with it. And even, I think even, I don't know what to do with uh, Jacob's shadiness, but I think you can play with it. But I think even here, maybe you see something, um, that even Esau receives something out of this. Now we might not think hmm. that, um, we might think that Esau gets screwed. Uh, and yeah, in a certain way he does. But Jacob gives Esau bread and lentil stew. He eats and drinks. He rose and went on his way. And Esau is given, Esau's given his own life, right? It's a diff, it's a, Esau is given a different life than he might have expected. Um, and yet he too is fed. He too is fed at the table. Rises and goes on his own way. Whatever that ends up looking like, and in fact, in fact, in fact, Esau, we will find here in a, in a few weeks, uh, has the better life. Uh, that, that there's this complexity to Jacob's character. That on one hand, that, that God is is particularly favorable to Jacob, but Jacob's not perfect and not right. So, um, so, so first, I think you have Esau. Um, perhaps that's what repentance looks like, right? Uh, the giving up of. He sounds stupid, right? He sounds dumb to our ears, right? I'm reminded of the the like the org the the the, the, the big guy from uh, Revenge of the Nerds, right? Uh, that's my vision of Esau. He's like, I'm hungry. He's like, I don't care about birthright. <laughs> and I think that's true, right? I think that's the first image. But can you push past it? But could that be more true than that, right? That like, yeah. I don't care. I am hungry, and my birthright doesn't. My birthright, this uh, power thing, doesn't feed me, and he gives it up freely. Maybe that's he gives it up so easily and so freely. What if Esau has this vision of what it means to give up the powers of the world um, what? and be to be truly fed? And it's ridiculous, right? He gives it up for just one bowl of like lentils, is what the the commentators say. Um, yeah. And I I enjoy lentils. I cook a lot of lentils uh, for students because it. Fits, hits all the dietary requirements, but that's as stupid as communion is, right? Um, yeah, give up the yeah, ways of the I world think, so you can have one piece of bread and one drink of wine. I think you gotta, if you're walking your way through this story, 
I think yes, you gotta you gotta go through the pass of um, of the scandal of the story, right? That there is definitely a scandal here. Issa definitely seems stupid. You got you gotta go through all of that. But then I think I think if you can get to a place where um, where God's vision, God's dream is big enough that it also includes Esau, that there's a place for Esau even in the midst of what God is doing, I think you might get to a place that's, I think you might get somewhere. I think that might take you somewhere, preacher. I mean, I think, right, like that, that I don't think Jacob knows, or maybe he does, I don't know. Uh, but, but, but perhaps unbeknownst to Jacob, he is uh, acting, that God is acting in him in this conniving way of bringing Esau to the table, to, to the, mm-hmm. uh, to life. Yeah. And Jacob, even though it seems like, I mean, we'll see where this story goes, right? Even though it seems like Jacob just won this game, uh, Jacob's gonna like have to flee because of what he's doing, right? He's also gonna give some. He's also gonna have to give something up. There's a cost to what he's doing. He's not yet had the moment. This moment, right? Not uh, yet. But it's coming. His hunger won't be satiated. It won't be filled until he has to give everything up. Until he's yep. all alone at the ford of the Jabbok. Everything's on the yeah. other side of the water, and he's got to walk through it. Yeah. Alone. And it, and isn't and isn't that good news, right? Like mm-hmm. so for so for some of us, this idea of just like giving it all up to be fed comes very quickly. But for others of us, that's going to take a long time to get all the way around. It's not going to be satiated so quickly. And I think if you've got a vision that can include, um, you can that that I think gives you a vision big enough to include a lot of people's stories. That's right? wide. This water's wide, man. I like Oof. that, man. Here's another Jake. another little nuance I'm going to yeah. put on top of it. Yeah. So I'm uh, hoping uh, here shortly to have like a new little piece out on it to do some more exploring of religious identity and how that works uh, in the United States. Um, and I had I had a, a what my uh, Australian friends would call brainwave recently. And my big question, right, is who gets to decide religious identity? Is it the individual who decides, uh, or which I think is our kind of like standard understanding of how religious identity works that it's an individual thing and the individual gets to decide um but i I don't i think it's much more complex than that and here's the thing i realized uh brainwave christians don't believe that at all that the way to become a christian is to be baptized and you cannot baptize yourself certainly we walk to the font that we're engaged in that process but by yourself you cannot become a christian because you cannot baptize yourself um and and maybe in parts of the church in most of the church it's a formality to to go through the baptismal process and that if you want to do it there will always be someone to do it but it's a passive act and i see that interaction being played out here with jacob and esau not that esau is like he is but he's not right made a christian here but that it's the work of jacob who does it and here's the thing despite himself jacob does it um, and I think that's maybe a, a, could be a really powerful piece of good news. It's not even Jacob's intentions, um, but it's this conniving God who works through these complex people uh, with lots of baggage and messed up family relationships. And it's all going to be good. offered up to him in the end, right? That's the yeah. other twist, right? We He gives it all up, but then, spoilers, when Jacob comes back, he offers everything to Esau. Uh, yeah. Right. That's why he's by huh. himself on the fourth of Jabbok. He sends everything forward as a first. Well, two things. One, as a gift to Esau to appease him. And second, if he's pissed off, if he's very upset, so he would kill his concubines and cattle and stuff. Um, and maybe he'd tire himself out by the time Jacob showed up. Um, <laughs> Hold on, man. Not yet. Not I yet. Know. We're not there yet. Can't help it. What do we get? I think we get like. Um... How many stories of Jacob are we going to get? This is this is like part one. This is part one because it's the first part. That's for sure. Um, three. I think we get three. <laughs> what is? We get the ladders next. 
Jacob's Ladder. Mm, then we get Laban, the Laban story. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad I don't have to preach that day. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, Laban means life in German. Yes, Jesus bringt Laban. Hallelujah. It's the only words I learned in Germany. So we get, uh, we get the ladder, we get Laban, and then we get the wrestling. And then wrestling, yep. Wow. Cool. Four-part story. We got the first part down. Part one of four. So come back soon, you guys. This is a quadrilogy. Mm-hmm. And here's the best part. Like Led Zeppelin, four will be the best album. Although, <laughs> Stairway to Heaven should be next week for, for Jacob's Ladder. Oh. <laughs> Better get started. Get started Ooh. on that playlist. <laughs> I think you're ready for some songs. You're already thinking about music. Oh, let's let's, let's throw some songs out there, man. Let's do it. What do you got? Well, you know, I got to do my Genesis. Uh, so Genesis. I'll just, I'll get, I'll get my Genesis out the way. So I'm going to go, got to do old school and new school, old school Genesis. <laughs> a little song called, I know what I like in your wardrobe. <laughs> All right. Let's, I, let's see I the connection. Zach's, uh, I love Zach's responses because he doesn't know any of these songs, but they're great. So this is one of the most popular of the old uh, Genesis songs. <laughs> it starts with this weird little, like, Peter Gabriel is such a weird dude, especially during his Genesis days, and it starts with, like, this little, like, 6 o'clock in time for lunch. And so there's a little, like, uh, food imagery there at the beginning. But then I know what I like in your wardrobe because Jacob and Esau, um, Esau comes out, his body's all like a hairy mantle. And then later, we don't get that story today, but in uh, more of their little, like, shadiness together, uh, Jacob's going to dress up like Esau and wait wear some clothes oh. that make him seem that make him seem mm. uh, like Esau so that's that's what I'm going with uh, clear connection obviously. obviously and then Genesis the Phil Collins era Genesis I'm gonna go with a little song called Throwing It All Away mm. Throwing It All Away uh, because uh, that's gonna be Esau's theme song eventually it'll become Jacob's theme song but today today it's Esau's theme song I like it uh, but as we talked about, so I have my two Genesis songs and a solo song. Because Genesis, man, like a wellspring of water, just producing solo artists right and left, uh, including the amazing, the inimitable uh, Phil Collins, whose autobiography I read this summer, his own commentary on his life. Uh, I'm going to go with both sides. A song called Both Sides. You always got to hear both sides of the story. Uh, and just like we, expl- we explore Jacob's side of the story and Esau's uh, experience, uh, as both having importance, uh, Phil Collins, both sides. Both sides, y'all. Check it out. Phil at the peak of his powers. What do you got, Zachary? Oh, what do I not have? Sibling rivalry, Matt. It's, a biblical, it's a biblical theme, and we're getting into one of the best ones. This is already Echoes uh, of, of course, uh, Cain and Abel, first sibling rivalry, Isaac, Ishmael, and now we're getting uh, Jacob and Esau, but more to come. More to come real soon. Uh, Joseph and his brothers, always, always brother, uh, sibling rivalry issues. And so I've got a, got a lot. I've got a lot of good ones. We're going to start uh, with a song called Big Brother off of Graduation by Kanye West uh, about his relationship with uh, Mr. 444 <laughs> himself, Jay-Z, uh, and the complexity of that sibling relationship. We got that one. Uh, then we got uh, one of my favorite bands. Uh, I think the least appreciated British invasion band, um, but my my favorite, the Kinks. Uh, the Kinks, uh, as we all know, the Kinks were founded and headlined by two brothers. 
right? They were uh, headlined by Ray and Dave Davies. Uh, and the history of the Kinks is a history of sibling rivalry. Uh, and they put together a song about it called Two Sisters. They played with the gender stuff. I like it. I like it. <sighs> Sylvia looked into her mirror. Priscilla looked into the washing machine and the drudgery of being wed. She was so jealous of her sister and her liberty and her smart young friends. She was so jealous of her sister. Check it out. <laughs> Check it out. Check out the Kinks. Then that. Sweet. Yep. I gotta keep going. I gotta keep going. Uh, there's a fantastic Dylan song called Old Sister. Old Sister, when I come to lie in your arms, you should not treat me like a stranger. Our father would not like the way you act, and you must realize the danger. It has Emmylou Harris on it. Uh, basically a duet. Not entitled, but in, in real life. Uh, Dylan and Emmylou Harris. Old Sister. I got a special Dylan one for you, Matt. I got a special okay. one for you. One of our favorite states certainly, uh, is the state of Nebraska, uh, which is the, the name of a, 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 how do you pronounce this, uh, Bruce Springsteen Steen, uh, album. Uh, what a song called? Bruce! Called Highway, Bruce. Highway Patrolman. Oh, uh, it's so good! Have you seen the video? I did, it's epic. Ego Mortensen is in it. It's an epic video. Oh uh, my gosh. Start off with someone getting shot in the chest by a shotgun. Uh, I wasn't prepared for that cold open, but that's, uh, that's intense. You gotta check it out on the YouTubes, friends. It's a bleak album. It's bleak. Like Nebraska. Awesome. Well done. Good well job done. by us. All right. Cool. Well, uh, good luck, Preacher. Good luck. Good luck. We, have any, uh, we got any good news? Got any good news? Uh, the good news is that the, the conniving love of God works even and through uh, very frail, um, complex, broken, fragile humans. Uh, it comes to us. 140 characters or less, you guys, right there. There it is. There it is. Uh, the trouble with that good news statement is, is Matt can attest, is that I'm very descriptive about how terrible the world is. Uh, so I got to do a better job beefing up the adjectives on the other side, or at least cutting I, some of the adjectives. I, I think that's hard. It's thing. so easy to describe the brokenness. Or so I've got so much a better view of it. Right. I mean, that is uh, that is the Nebraska album. It's basically all brokenness, and then you get to the last track, and it's despite all this brokenness, people find some reason to believe. But it's a whole album of brokenness before you finally get to. Mm. But still, somehow, I guess find a reason to believe. keep living. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. You got a question this week? What's your birthright? <laughs> What's your birthright? Uh, this week on Pod Bless America, we'll get into to birthright and Israel, and it'll be a really interesting thing. Just kidding. We do. We do have a new Pod Bless America coming out, uh, Matt. Next week, be on the lookout, or this week, I'm not sure how time works, Dr. James White, the director of INSTAR, the Institute of Arctic and Atmospheric Research, joined us on the pod, uh, Peter and I, to talk about climate change stuff, and we figured it out. Wow. Do you want to know what the answer to climate change is? What? Well, it turns out climate change isn't a science problem because that's like really clear and the answers are really simple. Uh, but it's like a theological problem. So we got to talk about God. Wow. I'm going to mm-hmm. listen to that. Yep. So check it out, y'all. Pod Bless America. That's right. It gets tons of hits because people are looking for Pods, Pod Save America and they, they end up on ours. So good job by you're us. Just, you're just being conniving like Jacob. 
I had an idea, Matt. Just tonight, because we're, we're looking to name the media company. Uh, and I received a package recently from 1517 Media, which is the new uh, new formulation of Augsburg. Um, so maybe like we should think along those lines, like 1518 Media, or the best one I came up with was 1988 Media to commemorate the founding of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. But maybe that's not it. Maybe it should be like the 2005, or when did sex happen? 2009 Media. <coughs> Let us know, listeners, what we should name the media company on the, on the Facebook comment with what year and why um, what if what if we zero CE media I like it zero CE what's <laughs> gonna they're gonna be like OCE OCE see it's so bleak like, it's nice I like it I'd probably go with like 701 BCE media because I'm a big fan of Sennacherib and the Assyrians <laughs> Send in your suggestions, listeners, because we need help. If you can come up with anything slightly more relevant than that, that'd be really <laughs> good stuff. Um, well, uh, good luck, preachers. It's been uh, it's been real. It's been vinyl, it's been, Matt. It's been but vinyl. Still a line. Vinyl. Mm. It's been vinyl. <laughs> <laughs>